You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome to Sovereign Self. I am your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your two, as always, fabulously divine and absolutely miraculous co-hosts are Karen Murphy and Ron Mayer. Say hello, guys. Hello, everybody. Hey, folks. Yes, indeed, and welcome to another program of Sovereign Self. On this program of Sovereign Self, we're going to sort of have a free talk amongst the three of us, and it's going to be more personally oriented, but it'll be answering questions for us at the moment of what is spiritually giving us energy. Where are we spiritually, generally? What is blocking us? And, you know, where do we get spiritual inspiration from to keep moving forward and growing and expanding? And I thought it would be an interesting topic because it would give you an insight into where we're coming from, some of the things we hit, some of the things we've managed to move past. It's all about growth, expansion, and, as Ron says, a forever endeavor from the heart. (laughs) And, you know, that's true. It, It doesn't stop. So I would just say that if you believe you can become your sovereign self and you're done, I would say guess again. (laughs) It doesn't end, but it keeps growing miraculously. So that's all a good thing. So with that, that is the introduction, as short as it is for today. I would say that for myself, where am I spiritually? I always look on it and go, ah. I'd like to be further along, or I'd like to be this, or I'd like to be that. And then I correct myself and go, you know what? When I sit back and contemplate it, actually get quiet and think about it, I'm very happy. (laughs) I'm very pleased at where I am. Now, there are many things that I know I have to keep working on. Mm -hmm. But from a progression point of view, especially these last, what, three, four years, has been, for me, phenomenal. And four years ago, it would have been hard to picture what I was thinking like and where I am now. Mm-hmm. So the growth I find is always in the expansion, is always exciting. And every time you discover something new or move over a new hurdle, or even recognize a hurdle that you didn't recognize before that you have to overcome, it's all very exciting. It's all very, very lifting for me. And I really enjoy it. So from where I am spiritually, I think I'm in a great place, and we'll just keep moving forward. That's sort of my take on it. Any thoughts from you, Ron or Karen? Well, Not where I am, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Although you can if you want. In, in, in one sense, yes, I'm there with you with regards to a, an immediate snapshot of where I am as opposed to where I was like 10, 15 years ago. There is, for me, and most notably as well, Martin, the last three to four years, 
there has been a tremendous shift in my ability to be at peace with where I am. Prior to that, there was always this, ever since my awakening way back in in 1987, there was always this nagging, demanding voice that kept saying, yes, but what is your purpose? What are you doing? What, you know, what is it that, what kind of a mark are you supposed to be leaving on the planet? And the degree to which I gave credence to that nagging voice, you know, I was so stressed out, constantly trying to, you know, trying to answer that question for myself. In in many cases, when I was with Grandmother Parisha, there would be many times she would just come back and she says, Goha, this is the name that she had given me. She said, Goha, you're trying too hard. Just go with it. Just be at peace with yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's, as I said, it's only been the last three to four years that I have gotten to the point where, yes, I will have these stressful days, but the immediate thought is, yeah, but it's not like it once was where you were constantly in angst and you were always, you know, there was always an aspect of yourself that you were deathly afraid that I wasn't going to be good enough or that I would fail to make the ascension in this cycle in this time around. I have dealt with a tremendous amount of that nagging voice to the point where it's every once in a while it still comes up, but the response to it is far more immediate and far more peaceful. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. I know where I'm at now. I know I've done a lot of work. There is a lot more peace in my presentation and in me in particular to know that, yes, I have done a tremendous amount of work on myself. Even if I don't ascend this time around in this ascension cycle with regards to taking my body, my physical body with me, transmuting my physical body and taking it with me, I know that I can still do a bardo out where I will, Mm -hmm. the body will die and I am still on an upward ascension cycle. And there will be platforms to which I know I will ascend to. And then from there, I will either go into a new physical form or it's quite possible that I, that in the discarnate area, I'll be able to attain the rest of my ascension codes and get out. But I'm far more at peace than I have been for the majority of my life. So I know I'm in a good place. Very good. And I agree with you certainly more at peace with myself not more at peace i'm at peace with myself very as you said every once in a while things come up but mm-hmm. it's 90 percent peace mm-hmm. <laughs> and calm yeah yeah i have anger every once in a while but the mm-hmm. interesting question where are you supposed to be yes and i've i looked at it as sort of a funny different way from my perspective when i always ask that question it was more to me it was who am i supposed to be it's, it's more of a personal thing. Mm. Who are you becoming? Who are you meant to be? Mm-hmm. And I've been working on that more than anything outward. It's all inward. It's, and it's who working at who I am supposed to be that I feel is right for me. Okay. And you even let that thing, that, that little thing slip in. Who am I meant to be? Yeah. Almost as if there's a predestination and there isn't. No, no. That, who am I meant to be is my thoughts about me. I know, but in in general, people will still think 
that there's supposed to be something that it was it's already been planned. Yeah, and, I see. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, I'm saying no, it, you can change your destiny at any given point. Yeah. You are the one that's in control. You're at the helm here. Yeah. So if you were, if you thought 10 years ago that you were supposed to be a, a, a this wonderful master and you're supposed to have all of these people, you know, following you and all of a sudden you look back at that and that that's completely changed now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like you've missed the boat if you, if you don't become what you once thought you needed to become. Right. You're no. changing every moment by moment by moment. To me, the underlying question of who, who, when I asked who was I meant to be, that was a personal question to myself. Right. Okay. Yeah. About, about internal me. That was always the true question, not, and yes, you're right. The outside stuff always seemed to try and clutter in. Mm-hmm. But I soon recognized that it's, who do I want to become? And that's the thing. It's moment by moment. So yeah. it's not, if you, as soon as you say meant, it's like, well, this, what you wanted to become last week doesn't have to be what you want to become now. No, it's always in the moment of now. That's right. A question gets asked and you answer it. Yes, and you could change. You could change. Right now, I might want to be somebody who ends up saving a whole bunch of people. And then tomorrow, it might be, well, I'm just comfortable with who I am right now. So all I want to do is just spread happiness today. Yep, good point. Karen. Oh, I've got so much to say. Go ahead. (laughs) Go for it. I love it. My thought process is is similar to both of yours. And... I guess what comes to mind for me is every morning, we all go through stresses throughout every day. Mm-hmm. We all live in this world mm-hmm. and we all live with day-to-day stresses of work, relationships, family, friends, all of that stuff. And for me, one of the things, and I think Martin, um, I have to give credence here because I, I believe you actually put me on to this, was being although I am, I know, the queen of gratitude, and I don't do this alone, it's it's not something I thought of. It's something that I learned from so many other masters before me. But one of the things, Martin, that you always talked to me about was to be thankful for all of your experiences in the knowing that they led you to exactly where you're meant to be, which is exactly where you are. And so how do I move forward from here? I always try, and I I miss it one or two days, but nine times out of ten, I'm right on it. And if I'm not right on it, the fact of the matter is, is that when I ask for help, I recollect to myself, oh, I forgot to start my day that way. Um, Clearly, I forgot to give gratitude. Clearly, I'm trying to force feed something. So I always do a reflection piece early in the morning, and it's very early in the morning where I'm like, oh, I missed that step. Not that it has to be very structured, but in my mind, it's like, wow, you forgot something, Karen. So why are you starting from this point of, oh, how do I fix this problem? Instead of going back to, I give thanks for every every experience this is where i'm meant to be i will take responsibility for where i am now how do i move forward mm-hmm. and i can honestly say that i don't know how this appeals to our listeners but i feel oftentimes throughout our shows i feel like we're mentoring one another mm-hmm. and 
that's really key. And we've often talked about surrounding ourselves with others that are like-minded and or have thoughts along the same vein. And for me, after I do my thanks in the morning and move forward, I take the problem at hand that's just nagging at me. And I don't actually, there was a time when I would say, help me to figure out how to solve it. That's not my question anymore. My question now becomes, what is the best way for everyone in consideration, meaning that we are all one? What is the best way for me to approach this? And it's really caused me to move to what we've often talked about in many, many shows about the observation mode. And that's a tough one to move to for me. Personally, it's a tough one to move to. I don't know if everyone else has that issue, but how do you get to that point where you're, when I say above, I think of it in context of looking down and observing, not above as in better, but how do you move yourself to that state where you stop sitting in judgment of, I heard what you said, now I'm going to react. It's like, how do you shift yourself? And I've been challenged a lot in the last couple of weeks to do that. I think that, I don't know for our listeners if this helps at all, but the keys of mastery, I actually pull out the paper and say, okay, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? How do you effectively move forward from a loving perspective, knowing in the oneness How do you make decisions? How do you approach a situation? And I'm learning that I'm I'm very, I'm I'm kind of a right-handed girl. So it's like, oh, you say something, I will fix it. Done. How do I move myself to more preponderance of, oh, that's an interesting dilemma. How might I process that? And how might I think about resolving that should I be able to resolve it and that's a very slow motion for me mm-hmm. and it's, it's very cool that some of the teachings that we've talked about on our show are really really helping me I know them intuitively I know them intellectually mm-hmm. but one of the things that I would say to all of our listeners is that's all cool <laughs> practicing them becomes a little bit more work I would say that one of the things I'm looking at is how do these tools help us to move forward, help me to be actively aware, help me to interact with different relationships, different situations, and really put myself in that, what I call observer, what we've all called observer mode, mm-hmm. and then move forward. And I'm finding that on a personal level, the response has been phenomenal. I'm actually kind of freaked out <laughs> that it actually works. It truly works. It's it's not about uh, a hierarchy. It's about saying, okay, well, and when I, when I say in our terms, when we've talked about the show, we've talked about going into observer mode. And when I put it into perspective with people I'm talking about, I often term it in words of, Okay, let's look at yet another perspective through another lens. When I do that, they can all understand that because that's jargon that most of us use day to day. And then I 
immediately take my talk to observer mode. I'm actually fascinated by the number of people that I thought would shut me down are going, hmm, that's an interesting perspective. Let me ponder that. I'm thinking, yay, someone Hmm. pondering it is better than somebody saying no. Of course, at least they're open. They're open to the suggestion. Exactly, exactly. I think for me, with regards to what you've said, you hit on something a little earlier when you were speaking about your intuitive self. For me, accessing the observer or what I call the mentor Mm -hmm. in my psyche, which technically speaking is in most people is directly over your right shoulder. (laughs) There's an area there, um, energetically speaking, that connects me with my intuitive self, my intuitive mind. And even in my earlier days as an associate or as as a medicine apprentice of Grandmother Parisha, one of our prayers stated specifically, let my intuitive mind be my spirit as I return to my circle on the wind. For me, this constant repeating of this prayer day after day after day sort of got me into listening to my intuitive self on a regular basis. At first, I didn't trust it. Right. You, know, you get a lot Skeptical. of people saying, don't Skeptical. Yeah, and don't trust your intuition. It's going it's like don't trust your heart. It's going to lead you down a path of, you know, of difficulties and endless pain and sorrow. And so I had to overcome a lot of those original negative thought patterns with regards to accessing my intuitive mind. And for me, the intuitive mind is also likened to what some Christians call the Christ itself. It's that part of you that, it's the still small voice that's inside. It's the part of you that will take these self-help courses, for instance. There's a, a small part of you that knows intuitively that it is connected to the whole, that it is connected to the creator. And this, I always could access through my in my intuition. It was my intuition that connected me to my spirit body. And even with regards to the freedom teachings today, which I am I'm currently following a lot of the theoretical teachings of the freedom teachings, the intuitive mind was something that was actually created within the human species just after the fall of Atlantis in 9558 BC, where during that fall, there was such damage done to the human genome that we lost a huge amount of self-consciousness during that period and ended up going into what was traditionally we know as the Dark Ages. And it was the intuitive side, the intuitive mind that was developed by the soul in order to create that conduit of insight that would connect your personal, the personality that you are to your spirit essence. And in order for you to continue receiving spiritual guidance from your higher self. So for me, the, the intuition and the and my intuitive faculties today are probably the strongest thing when it comes to me being the observer or the Christ itself. Because once I'm there, there's a, there's a conduit of information that a line, for instance, that seems to be open. And it's easy when I, when I'm pulling in information from the three, three dimensional reality fields, I always have the intuitive mind there assisting me by feeding me insight and information as to what it is that I'm observing. 
So for me, it's my intuitive self that has created a huge, vast uh, reservoir of peace and comfort and being the observer. Yes. Now, I agree, and I put it in different terms. Mm -hmm. But in observer mode, I call it sort of pulling back into the knowing. Yes. You're not influenced by everything out there as much as if you're in it, but you are observing it all. But you're also mm -hmm. connecting into your, your higher self. I call it universal consciousness. Mm -hmm. I always looked at it as coming through my heart as being the center. And I sort of picture it that way when it goes on mm -hmm. and I try and just center it there. And mm -hmm. it's true. When I move into observer mode, I can watch a room full of people in a meeting. And I can feel where their emotions are coming from, where their anger is coming from, what they're trying to push on other people. Mm -hmm. And when someone is not trying to do that and coming from love and trying to settle it down, it all becomes so clear and obvious. And also how you deal with it and what you say next to move into it and help things progress. It's almost like you're hooking into the truth of the situation and what would work best for the higher good for all. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a connection that clicks at that point, which is, I think, essentially what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, it, it basically, yeah. It, for me, it always gives me, being, being connected to, to my intuitive mind and the observer, or what I call the mentor, it always gives me what I need to know in the moment. Yeah. It might not give me dissertations on the highest metaphysical technology available today uh, that nobody else has, but it does give me what I need to know in this particular moment mm -hmm. that will bring me to a sense of peace and balance. Right. Mm -hmm. But also, uh, do you, sorry, go ahead, Karen. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, do you not find, I found on occasion that when I go into that mode, mm -hmm. that I also get, not often enough, <laughs> but I do get insights that are like, wow, that I never thought oh, of before, that do yeah. give you that light bulb went on and Pumph, your whole universe just expanded and mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But usually for those moments, mm. I truly have to be in a very peaceful, almost like a meditative state where I have allowed my thinking to get to a lowest, the lowest minimum possible. It's usually in those moments. Um, and as I said, I think in one of my other in one of the other shows, one of the forms of meditation I would have would be to take a specific thought, follow the thought to the end, and then allow whatever else to come through. It might be another thought, then allow that without any struggle, go to the end of that thought. And then eventually what happens is I will come to the end of a particular thought and there's there's almost no expectation that there's going to be another thought, and then all of a sudden there's just a, a almost like a pregnant pause, like we, we've talked about in, our, in previous programs, where there's absolutely nothing, and then all of a sudden, Martin, you're right. This amazing insight will come to me in a flash. It's almost like like a packet of information, and you touch it, and it explodes with light. Yeah, I do that when I'm writing. Yes. I'm writing on a topic and I know I haven't got it there yet. Yeah. Yep. And I just go, where do I go from here? And I sort of go blank, just open up to thought. Mm -hmm. 
And mm-hmm. usually within a minute or two, all of a sudden, there's a big pump that comes in. But you're right, I have to go to a null spot to get there. The, the yeah. least amount of thinking possible. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's possible to, to stop thinking 100%. That's no. not the nature of the mind. Right. <laughs> but you can get to a point where you can dampen it to a, a very large degree. And as I said, you will come to a point where there's a vacuum. You're not thinking and you're not expecting to think. Right. And then sometimes it might take three or four seconds. Sometimes it could take even longer. But in many cases, that's when the true light of inspiration hits. Yeah. Right. I, I think when we, when we talk about going into observation mode, and I love that because mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to move to that sometimes, truth okay. be told. But I, I do believe that when we move to observation mode, I take it very personally in that I am observing. And then as I observe and see what's going on. Well, I might see a whole dynamic of this, that, and the next thing. Part of the observation mode for me is, what is it that I can do for me to kind of transpire or transpose into that that piece, whatever that looks like? Mm -hmm. It's not about... For me, it's not about observing about how I can change someone else because I don't believe that to be true. I believe that the only person I can change is me. So when I observe, the the complexity of it is if you see someone in a particular situation that is diabolical or something that you're adverse to or whatever, or you might see them in my mind – if I'm the observer, that that doesn't quite resonate with me. When I go to observer mode, I never go to how can I change their mind. It's more what is it I need to see? What is it I need to realize? And upon approaching that piece, once I realize that, everything else falls out of it. Let's say, for example, I'm sitting in a meeting and I have a completely different opinion of someone sitting in the meeting. That's just a difference of opinion. But if it gets tenuous, I try to go to the observer mode and think, what is our common goal? What is it we're trying to achieve? Where are we at? And I only look at that from the observer mode, if this makes any sense, from my perspective. Not how do I change them, but what is it that I'm observing that changes me? And then I have this, I don't know, feeling inside me that if I can resonate with that in my head, then they can choose or not to choose to come on side. Well, forcing. Ultimately, what it is, for me, for instance, and I, I, I will sometimes find myself inadvertently trying to change something external to me when I know that, no, you can't. In order for you to change anything external, you have to change, change yourself internally first. So when I'm viewing a particular situation where my immediate first reaction might be, how do I change that person? My intuitive self urges me to hold a different perspective and say, how can I look at this and be at peace with what I'm witnessing? That's exactly, uh, Ron, you've got it 
exactly what I, what I was trying to say. You articulated it way better than I did. Thank you. As soon as I can be at peace with what it is that I'm observing, it's amazing what happens externally. It begins to change all by itself. It's, it's amazing how that works. But a lot of times I will sometimes forget that if I use this type of approach with regards to what I'm observing, that a lot of times, as I said, I will try to, I will try to go and change a particular person, for instance, not recognizing, no, 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 that I'm harboring a judgment and I'm accusing this other person of doing something that I consider to be inadequate or incorrect. Right. The moment that I change my perspective on that and I back up, asking myself, how can I be at peace with what I'm seeing? But as you're doing that, Ron, one of the things I I think that I feel as well Mm -hmm. is we are also giving ourselves the opportunity to remove our judgments. Yes. And And that's key. That to me is key. But that to me is what observer mode is. Observer mode is you're removing yourself from all of that. Mm-hmm. and your judgments and you're not getting caught up in all their whatever they're doing it could be anger it could be what have you mm-hmm. and you're observing it and recognizing where it's coming from and I often say to myself can I bring any energies to the situation which will move it back on track to where we all want to go as you said Ron it's it's the change within me mm-hmm. that actually brings it forward that's right from observer mode and when I get intuition insight I know what to say Mm -hmm. to bringing people down from anger. Now, I don't think I'm changing them. It's just I'm shifting the energy around me that they latch onto. Mm -hmm. So they make the choice, but it's still an energy we put out that gives them that choice to make. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Martin. I would go one step further to say that I've experienced that because I'm practicing this. Because I'm very, if I if I see something and go into observer mode, I want to help. That's that's kind of where my mode comes from. Mm-hmm. What I'm finding and what I'm practicing is silence, but I do feel it. So my sense would be as I go into the observer mode, if I can explain this in a kind of a quasi way, I go to expo- it to into the observer mode, and then I think, ha. Huh, these are some of my observations. Are we connected? And I always go back to oneness. And then I look at the situation and then I go completely silent. Mm-hmm. I think that's, a moment. that's a key point because mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree, Ron, but I agree when I'm in observer mode, I'm certainly not speaking. Right. No. No. So it's, it may be an important point that people don't get, but when you go into observer mode, you are literally just observing. And this is something that I also wanted to bring up. In my years at observing people who are on the path of mastery, Mm. I have noticed that in the beginnings, they may be very vocal with regards to some of the things that they would like to see changed in the world. But as the years go on, the master within them becomes more of the observer And they have less and less and less to say about the woes and the ills of the world. Mm. And in fact, as I said, they're so practiced at being at peace with what they are seeing 
that there's no longer any engagement in the negative aspects of the world. There's no mm-hmm. direct engagement in, in, in those. In many instances, especially if you go to people who are on the path of mastery and you might happen to go to their Facebook page, for instance, the stronger they become their own master, the less likely you will see criticism and ne- negative attitudes towards anything. You're right. You go into a silence and it's almost like a complete acceptance, a complete allowance yes. of mm. everything that is going on about happening. you. That's right. Whether it's negative or positive, it mm-hmm. makes no difference. Right. There is an allowance because you know innately that if God allows everything to occur without judgment and you are attempting to become the best possible person that you can possibly be. And if you're trying to be that, then technically you are attempting to become God. If God is judgeless, then you eventually become judgeless. As what I've said before, be careful what you believe God to be, for you will become it. Mm-hmm. Well, and the fact of the matter is, is that when you go into the observer mode, mm-hmm. and I love this topic, but when you go into observer mode and you get that silence, mm. it's amazing how much you can glean from that that might actually make you think of something that you maybe have not thought of before because we are not perfect from that perspective. Yes, we are divine. Yes, we are God's beings, but we still have much to learn. And this is, in my mind, part of the process. And I find that when I go into that observer mode and get silent, and just really silent. It's amazing when you stop cutting off people and cutting off what they're saying or jumping in or looking for solutions, how much more information you might have to Mm -hmm. digest that you can observe even more. Yeah. I would say that in observer mode, that's where we lose that thing that we're not perfect and we recognize that everything is perfect. Yes. And it is that moment of true perfection and looking at everything that you have a much greater awareness Mm -hmm. of who we are. Exactly. Yeah. I think, Martin, you you have a good tendency, and I love this about you, you have a tendency to remind people of their divinity so that if you're in the observer mode and you're observing a particular difficult situation where there is angst, people are arguing or whatever, usually, you you know, the ego would a lot of times would like you to get into there, you know, and and pick sides and and do that type of thing. But the Mm -hmm. observer mode in you would say, better yet, just step back and silent and observe Mm -hmm. and then if at a particular point the longer you're in the observer mode if at a particular point you feel the need to engage a lot of times i'm coming from the highest possible aspect of myself my intuition tells me how to engage yeah and and then that's when i would come forward and remind the people around remind the person of their divinity Typically, they have lost sight of, of their divinity when they've done that. And when they're arguing and fighting, it's you, as we said before in other programs, it's usually a, it's almost always a cry for help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's unconscious. And so you, if you can consciously remind them of their divinity, at least that gives them the opportunity to be able to find out what is behind. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you brought that up because I was in a meeting where I was presenting something and it was to be critiqued by everyone around the table, which was understood. And there was one particular person who was hammering and hammering away at a point. Mm-hmm. I just sat and listened, and I did go into observer mode, and I watched him go, and, and I thought, okay, 
where's he coming from? Where's all this? And I understood where he was coming from. Had it clearly in my mind what he was thinking about, where his, his whole process is coming from. And he looked at me with a big challenge, and I just sort of opened up my mouth and said, excellent points. We should explore those further. I like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just shut the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. were good points. And But he was expecting a challenge, and I went, no, mm-hmm. not the right time to go there. <laughs> we're, and we're not all there. As, as you know, at the beginning of the program, you said we're, we're all aspects of being rebuilt and recreating ourselves anew every, in each and every moment. Yeah. So it's not like I've got it all down pat. No. There are times when I get triggered emotionally. <laughs> You've seen me triggered. Holy man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, this is, and this is the thing. A lot of times, if I'm really triggered emotionally, mm. that's usually when I want to get in a new battle. Yep. That's when my mm-hmm. ego has taken offense, and because I'm, I am so identified with that little portion of myself that's screaming foul, foul, mm. that sometimes the emotions can get so overwhelming and so overpowering that there's a trigger. I will sometimes get really quiet because mm-hmm. I know that if I say something, I'm going to regret it. And so sometimes when you've been triggered emotionally, it can be very, very difficult to try to find the observer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mark, uh, Ron, that makes a really good point. It's like when you when you go into observer mode, you feel like you want to go, and do you know this? Yes. And kind of come back at them, whoever that may be. And maybe sometimes, depending upon what you're doing this with, it might be yourself. It may well, not both. be with another human being. But having said that, one of the things, one of the techniques I've started to use mm-hmm is I have a thought, and it's always a different, you know, kind of introduction, but do you want to hear it? In other words, I always ask permission when I go into observer mode, and then I witness things. Uh Rather than engaging as I, what I believe I normally would of, oh, that sounds ridiculous. It would be more about, would you like a different opinion? Would you like a different thought? Mm. And I give the other person the opportunity to say yay or nay, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just, you know, we're we're always, I don't mean, I hate that word. Sorry, I'm going to retract that because I hate that. We always, (laughs) I hate that. Royal we. we, Yes, we're back to the royal we again. There are times when I'm going to speak about it personally. There are times when I go through a process and I think, Oh, I got the best answer here. Let me tell you this. Instead of saying, I've listened to what you've said, I have a different perspective. Are you interested in hearing about it? And then give the other person the opportunity to say yay or nay. Because I find that oftentimes in, in my lifetime, it's like, well, I do this, I do that. And, oh, I got this really great thought. Let me just push this down on you. Yes, and they may not be interested at all. No. That's right. That's right. Well, and that's that's why I said with that one particular instance, which happened two weeks ago, done it a few times now, and I have to do it more. Is acknowledge what they're saying, give them credence for what they're saying, honor them for their opinion and who they are, and say yes, they're very good points. Thank you. You know, whatever you you go to right. the point of, yeah. of honoring them, and they usually back off from their anger immediately. Because all they do in their anger is they, they cry for help. They want to be recognized. So and, recognize them. And, and, and I find that very diffusing. <laughs> and that, there's also the dual aspect of that as well. 
earlier on, you were mentioning something about this desire to help, Karen. And for me, in my in the early years of my apprenticeship with Grandmother Parisha, there was something that I I mean, I had a tremendous desire to want to help. But when I really and truly looked at that, I recognized the fact that it wasn't so much me helping anybody else, but rather being acknowledged for what I could give them. There was a sense of martyrdom in me that I really had to double check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and a little bit, a little bit ego. Bet yes, me that. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. You know, I check why, myself every day at the know, door. Yeah. If you give an answer to, to some somebody that you think that they may be enlightened with and expand their horizons, and they and they don't acknowledge it, how does it make you feel? Yeah. If you feel in any way, shape, or form any a, a rejection of any type know that you had an agenda, you had an investment in them believing in what you were, and in accepting what it was that you had to offer. Well, it becomes, as you said, Ron, it becomes a little bit self-serving. And I I think that, and I'm guilty of that. Guilty, 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 listeners. Guilty, guilty. Um, But as as we move through this forefront of learning and adopting the keys to mastery. Mm-hmm. One of the things, and I, I practice them daily, not always in great steed, but having said that, I do question myself about those kinds of things, Ron. That's a really great point. It's like, mm-hmm. do you say to someone, here's what I think you should do, given that I know, or I'm now using terminology like are you interested in hearing a different perspective mm-hmm. or even or even approaching them with regards to the understanding that even if they've got as 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 much as they have the question they already have their own answer so yeah. the idea is to empower them to unveiling their own answer not by giving them the answer mm. but by triggering somehow an awakening in them that they themselves will then find their answer. And then whatever that answer is, whether you believe it or not, doesn't make any difference. If they believe in it and they ha- and it, it has triggered something in them, an expansion of any type, any way, shape, or form, then that is exactly what the engagement should have uh, ended in the results uh, in the first place. And, and on the flip side, mm-hmm. if you're the person that's being engaged, as we've all been on the other side, yeah. How are we responding to mm-hmm. someone who maybe is engaging us in a way that's not comfortable? Well, or, and that's an interesting point because in, if I'm being given advice and the advice isn't being given with complete acceptance on their part, if mm-hmm. they have an agenda and they're trying to get me to change, my hackles will go up and I, I will not give them credence with regards to their answer. And that's that's an intuitive felt sense thing. If I'm thinking that they're wanting me to sacrifice what I believe in order to become more like them, no. Then I then I draw the line and I, I flatly refuse to go there. Yes. Now and that's the thing, you know, we, we can have understanding, but that's understanding where people are coming from each in their own unique self. That's right. right. And then we can have unity, which means that we respect that, and you have that opinion, but respect mine as well. That's right. And that's where it all leads to in many ways. And that's that's ultimate freedom, 
is not trying to be Absolutely. as I say. Yes. And there is a phrase for it, many Hitlers, where you're trying to demand everyone behave as you want them to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There is no allowing there at all whatsoever. That is complete right. control. Yes. Complete control and no allowance, and, allowance whatsoever. And that's such a big word, allowing. When you even think of the word, it means no engagement. Yeah. It means you accept it for what it is. Yes. You allow it to be. No judgments, nothing. Well, and that's what I was, that's what we were just saying is where you go in observer mode. Mm-hmm. You allow. That's right. And that that is that Christ consciousness that's that's within you that continues to grow the more you practice mm-hmm. that state of allowance. And and the key part there is as you allow not to infer agreement. No, it's just allowance. It's just oh, allowance. It doesn't mean it's, becoming it's the same. Right. Very it's good point. That credence. It's giving that credence because everyone is allowed that credence. Yeah. And everyone gets to be their, their own self-sovereign person who decides what works for them and what doesn't. So it's about allowance. And this is this is why it's paramount to be constantly sending out what it is that you want to see the world. What is your voice? What is it that you stand for? This becomes your frequency signature. It's mm-hmm. your core frequency signature that you are espousing. Allowance simply means that you're allowing everybody else to voice what it is that they want. Exactly. And that actually goes full circle. When you're in allowance, you can then see why everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Where you won't see that until you're in allowance. Right. <laughs> yeah. It is a, it's a beautiful circle. Where, where you and recognize. Folks, folks, it's an easy circle. You can master this in 30 seconds or less. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. That was my humor. There you go. Yep. Yeah, you point. can. Send 10.95 to just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are all on this same path together. Mm-hmm. We are all learning as we go. And. Every moment is a learning moment and quite potentially a teaching moment. And that's why we're here. Now, you know, it's, it's interesting. We were starting off the program on what spiritually moves you and where are we spiritually. And we've talked a lot about that. What's blocking us? We've talked about a lot of that, too. And we did actually get into where do you get spiritual inspiration from? And I think going into observer mode, allowing the whole intuition, it, it all gives us inspiration mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to keep moving forward. Because as you expand each one of those, I have found that myself, as I can manage and move forward with all of this and grow, mm-hmm. each growth moment is like, I, I don't know how to put it, it's a wow. It's like, holy mackerel. It's, it's so wonderful to expand mm-hmm. that when you begin doing it, and you begin moving along to, to where you're satisfied with who you are and where you're going and you're becoming who you wish to become, mm-hmm. there's nothing more gratifying. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to put it. It is divinely gratifying, if I can put that word, and it, it fits perfectly. It's very, very interesting. And you're right, Ron, you said it at the beginning. I think you're at peace, more at mm-hmm. peace with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. too, is very important. If you're not finding peace, that's your call. But... Uh-huh. If you want to find peace, all of these things we believe will help a lot of people get there. Uh-huh. And one of the things, too, that I, 
Donald Walsh, there was something that Donald Walsh had once mentioned in a book that really triggered me with regards to where is my peace? How can I find my peace? And that was, he was asked, what is the meaning of life? And mm-hmm. the response was, there is no meaning to life, save the meaning that you yourself give it. It was at that point that I truly began to recognize the value of becoming a master. It was at that point that I recognized, well, if there is no meaning to life, save what I decide the meaning is going to be, mm-hmm. then I better be on the job of becoming a master and deciding what it is that I want everything to mean. Yes, the true sovereign self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give kudos to Donald Walsh because that would, that thought really had me perturbed for a little while because I, as I said, I always thought that I came into this world and my destiny had already been written in the stars mm-hmm. and that all I had to do was follow whatever it was and I would become that person that I was destined to become. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier in the, in the program, you're destined to become a million different things and it's all up to you to choose what it is that you want truly destined to, to become. It's not written in sand. There is no such thing as fate type of thing in regards to who you will ultimately become. No. You are constantly, as a master, you are constantly giving the ability to change your fate moment by moment by moment. <laughs> Absolutely. We were born as individuals. Mm -hmm. And as individuals, we have many forks in the road, many Mm -hmm. choices to make. And it's all those choices that lead us to a certain path. Mm -hmm. The question will be, and I think it's what we, I know it's what we talk about in our show, is where is your heart? And our concept is coming from your heart center it will not lead you astray does that mean you'll make mistakes (laughs) yes we'll all make mistakes because we're human and as martin often talks about we are all divine and we are but we are imperfect in our perfection the the question is is that when we make mistakes or misfires does that make us imperfect no Yes, yes. It does well, not make the, the person. And a lot of times a mistake is just, is, is that, it's just a mistake. It means a that... It's oh, to redo it again. Yes, but you're also wiser because you know that this way, it doesn't pre- create yeah. the results that I want. So you know a little bit more. So next time you do a retake, mm-hmm. try to approach it from a different way. That's why those those terminologies that in the English language, and we, we've all seen them, but mm-hmm. words like failure... And there's a whole bunch of other loser. words that we've we've now loser. You're right, Mark. Even the opposite, winner. Winner. Because it's usually winner versus loser. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's right. all those words that we've given connotation to, yeah. outside of even the the two extremes, but even about challenges, mental, physical challenges, all of those things. That's all just English language. Mm-hmm. It is not where our heart is centered at. It's about everyone is divine. Together, we can all move forward. doesn't mean you do it with everybody, but you find your group and you move forward. Yeah, it's very true. You know, it's interesting when you were talking about moving forward and changing. When I was a child, I was very happy Mm. with who I was and what I was. I stuck true to my heart and who I was. But as I got older, I I was intrigued by everything everyone else was doing 
and recognized that I was sort of an outsider against who they all were. So I threw it all away to become like them. Mm-hmm. And that meant the alcohol and the drugs and everything else. I went through that whole thing. Then it took a flip to bring me back to, okay, now you understand what that's all about. So it was experiences that at one point I looked at as being horrible because it took me away from who I truly was in my heart. And, but now I understand a lot more about who I am. It gave you the depth. Yeah, it yeah. gives you depth in your understanding. Yeah. Don't regret no, because never. I never. went through regret over that, and that was the biggest mistake. Until I got over that regret, I couldn't move forward again. Well, it, gives, it gives you the yin and yang of it, right? We've often yeah. talked about you yeah. can't see the light until you see the dark. Yeah. And regret refuses to learn. Yes, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Regret, guilt, guilt, all of any negative term in my mind is a way of holding us from a humanity perspective back yeah when we talk about the keys of mastery we talk about accountability and responsibility we never talk about blame you will not hear us talk about blame but guilt has an essence of blame of course oh yeah big time Mm -hmm. that's not what we're talking about it's about okay did that i'm accountable for that i take responsibility for that and now here is my new next venture with that new knowledge, and therefore I move forward. What did it teach you? Yes, well, what exactly. Did it, what did it tell you about you? who you don't want to be in terms right. of yourself? And I, I'm not suggesting that we all get frivolous and do really reckless things. That's not what I'm <laughs> suggesting, <laughs> although it may be fun, but no, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. I'm just suggesting that whole guilt, regret, blame is... If, as our listeners, they can remove that from their vocabulary and their thought process way further along. And that I say that from the bottom of my heart because those are things that were a real challenge for me and continue to be. And those those also have a tendency to keep you in what I call a a self-imprisoned time loop. Yes. Repeat that same moment over and over and over again without expanding beyond that point. So this is where you actually rest time and you you prevent it from moving forward when you're in those moments. Exactly. I I wish I could be like that again. I wish that people (laughs) were like that again. I wish this was like that again. Yes. It's like, ooh, talk about a trap. What a kind of shut up. <laughs> yeah. No growth is possible when you're engaging in those thought, those types of thoughts. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. As humanity, we will and always will continue to move forward, I believe. So yeah, what well, do we do with that? I want to make the statement, it's not that I'm against those thoughts or those, those thoughts are wrong. I've just seen that they don't hold the type of value, nor do they move me forward along my path. I don't judge them. In fact, Without them, I would never have known the value of being in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Well, and actually, it's a good point, Ron, because I think that in many of our lives, we've all felt them at some point in time. It's what you do with them. It doesn't make it right or wrong. And I mean, that's one of the things I often talk about is it's not right or wrong. It is. Yes. What do you do with it? Where do you move? Does it bring you joy or does it bring you sorrow? If it yes. if, if yes. it brings you sorrow, then you might want to consider doing something different. Yeah. And I often say, you know, I, I like that. Is it bring you joy or does it bring you sorrow? And I often say, is it being loving to yourself or unloving to yourself? Yes. Everything is either loving or unloving. It's not right or wrong. It's very, just... Ultimately, the truth is very simple. There is either love or there's fear. Mm-hmm. 
and you choose whatever it is that you're going to experience in your next moment. No judgment. You might have the consciousness at this point that enjoys feeling misery. Oh, I, I can tell you that the misery and fears and things that I've experienced in my life have taught me <laughs> a yes. lot, and that's what we were oh, talking yeah. about. I've had, you don't know I, the light without the dark. Uh, as a youngster, I was very much a very melancholy type of person. I would thrill at the idea of walking in a gentle rain and feeling very sad about everything. It took me a long time to recognize, well, is this bringing me happiness? Is, is this going to progress me down my path or not? So mm -hmm. I, eventually I had to look at that. But for the longest time, I was a very melancholy type person. Yeah. Well, I think, I think much of it has to do with opening up from like opening up to perspectives of others. I know for myself, I'm a spring and summer kind of girl. And for the longest time, I really didn't like fall because my perspective on fall, this is just my perspective, was everything from spring and summer was dying. And then when my daughter was born, I remember her looking at these beautiful fall colors and the engagement. And she was so aghast at how gorgeous everything was. And I went, oh, there's a different lens to look at. Mm -hmm. And it's that lens that I think we always have to be open to. Very good. And... Yes, we are at that time. Another two minutes left, roughly. To oh, go. goodness, oh you're kidding me. <laughs> no, we really zipped through. And my final comment, I put up a post that said, nine points to recognize about yourself. One, you are perfect. Two, you are divine. Three, you are unique. Four, at your center, you are love. Five, you are one with all that is. Six, you are your own creator. Seven, you are loved. And eight, you probably don't recognize any of this, but nine, yet, this is who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff to, to, to ponder as we uh, conclude our show. I have nothing to say other than everybody have a wonderful, wonderful week. Yes, have a wonderful week, everyone. Do make it fabulous. You guys all get to co-create. Have fun with it. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash sovereign self. See you next week.